they all know what I know is the system's going to collapse. And therefore, their answer is the CBDC. That's why everyone's suddenly all, all over the world. It has to be the reason. So there's a reason why suddenly everyone's talking about it, because they're going to have to say, one minute, funny you should say that. I've got a, a problem. That I've got this ready to go. That's why it's all about, because they know that this systemic collapse is, but it's not bleak. It's actually very exciting. I mean, it sounds like a theme of this conversation is that the people who are most attuned to the needs of others, the the kids in the dorm room who decide that a way to link up your old friends from university is a great idea for a social media platform, or a group of people in Totnes Town Hall deciding that their fruit and vegetables should stay within the local community, are the people where the good ideas are coming from. And actually giving people who are megalomaniac individualists um, being overinflated by the money of others and the kind of godlike faith um, that many have in them is, is driving us towards kind of insanity. That does seem to be something that we're emerging here as a kind of idea is that perhaps if we could redirect the power to create and devise new ways of living to the people who understand most vitally what it is to live in a small community, whether that's a dorm room or a yeah. or totness, then maybe there is some, some hope there. Um, Returning to, to digital currencies, just just for a second, I suppose, I, I I want to defend Bitcoin for a moment because I think the defense of Bitcoin is not a defense of Bitcoin. It, it's a defense of why Bitcoin emerged. And I think Bitcoin emerged because it's a symptom of a low trust society. Mm. And I think that is the next question here, is how do we move from what is obviously a very low trust society to one that we all want to live in, which is a high trust society? What are, what are the motions we can put in play to... Yeah, I, I, I should say um, I don't necessarily disagree with you. I, I think the the underlying idea behind Bitcoin, the underlying technology, which is this idea that um, a system of uh, of of trust that you can you can one hundred percent rely on because it's sort of mathematically guaranteed, is is it's it's brilliant. I mean, the the technology really does work. There's lots of um, computing power and sort of carbon emissions that, that come along with it, but they're being they're being solved separately. Um, the idea, in theory, is, is is brilliant. It's the application that, that hasn't really um, worked out yet, and I would probably say more work needed to be done on that front. I mean, what a historical story that is! You know, that could explain be why. I mean, it's fundamental as a flaw at the heart of it, which is that the data is distributed in blocks all over the place. We all know from uh, developing code and, and systems that you want the data in a central place. And as soon as you're distributing all over the place, you're not going to be able to work it because the, what you need to do is distribute the trust, not the data. So I, you need, to me, of course, if you have a centralised ledger, you need encrypted data. But there's lots of ways of encrypting which doesn't involve distributing the data so that your data is all over the place and you can't access it because it's just too complicated. The, the concept of distributing this data is just never going to work. It's, 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 it's too clunky because we have to put the data in one place but encrypt it to protect people from accessing it. And once you've got the data and everybody's talking a language, the same language, you then can build the trust by having not a, a, a theoretical trust protocol, which is something which no one understands, where the trust protocol is, we're going to open state. We look after each other. We look after our family. We look after the community. We look after the, the planet. And that is a trust protocol that, that never was part of Bitcoin. Bitcoin had this 
ridiculous set of shit, no, but his name was Nakamoto. So it becomes a bit like a, a covenant in the sense of like a marriage. Like you say, when you're standing at the altar and you say, I, I, I promise to, you know, be faithful to you. Yeah. You're not saying I promise to put a tag around my ankle and you can watch me wherever I go. You're saying, okay, I'm going to have to make my own decisions as an autonomous individual about what it means to be faithful. And you're going to have to trust that our decisions align and that actually there is a certain amount of trust i think has a as as you say it has a it has a reading in our current society which is about the idea of being able to monitor all the time what mm. everyone is doing i can only trust if i can see what everyone is mm. doing constantly um probably because of the rise of social media and the way in which we now all surveil each other in very strange ways and the rise of cctv and everything else but there is perhaps a slightly religious element to this an idea of a a, a a higher ideal which is one in which you do not need to be surveilled you do not need to be tracked you can actually base a society on a trust that is is actually beyond an idea of what these technologies can give us it's, it's, it's a very difficult question here because it's about the fundamentally about the way in which we live with these technologies going forward. Yeah, look, the best way of preventing people uh, misbehaving is if they, they feel they're accountable to other people. So if, if people are uh, in the big companies, I, I was there myself, so I, I ran a large organisation um, and, and, and I couldn't transform it into a social purpose because our relationships were with large organisations that didn't want to change, therefore I couldn't change it. But, but the, the interesting, what, if you had a, when looking at suppliers, there were issues way along the supply chain where people are being abused, uh, where, where things go to China or things go to, to other places where people are being exploited on the fields and literally horrible things are happening. Now, if at the point when you were making a decision as to who to use in a particular supply chain, you had a television screen which showed you the way the women are being treated on the fields in these places, you wouldn't be able to buy that product because everyone said, minute, I'm not going to be part of abuse. But what we do is, is we hide it. We say, uh, oh, no, it's privacy. Therefore, I can't really know what's going on. I can therefore sit in the ivory tower, actually damage people's lives and not have to think about it. And that's the religion that therefore we, we are responsible for each other. So, so the, the point is, we, you, the data has to be visible, but the, the, the mistrust is legitimate because we live in a society which, where the trust has broken down. So we need to rebuild the trust and, what, and in that process, make things available publicly, but with the trust to support it. Because once the trust is there, once you know that information is going to be used to look after it, to ensure that the kids are protected, to ensure that girls aren't abused, all these things, then then it's it's a positive use of the, But that involves building trust and actually back to your original concept of actually identifying our DNA, where, where we all are social beings and we do actually want to care for other people. We want to care for the planet. And that's a revelation, not a, a, an agreement. It's actually the way we are. It's, it's, it's understanding our, our DNA. Um, I read the other day about a town in, in Ireland where the, the parents from the six primary schools had, had decided collectively that we're not going to let um, any of our kids have, have, have phones because this is, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a microcosm of the problem with digital technology is, is, is you know, if, if, if my friend's kid has a, has a phone, I kind of have to give it to them. Mm. They've decided collectively based on, I suppose, each other's trust and, and a sort of social understanding that they're not going to do that. And it just strikes me as a really actually innovative way of dealing with some of the downsides of, of, of technologies. You do have to have this sort of group agreement on, on that front. And so, you know, the, the kids in this town, it's going to be an accepted thing that you don't get a smartphone until you go into secondary school. 
and and that doesn't require a, like a regulation, doesn't require sort of a technical setting in the app. It's just required a bunch of people to come together and, and make it. Though what it does require is a certain degree of retreat, which is the issue here. If you are a metropolitan parent and you are living in London, where every day your child will be exposed to advertising pornographic imagery mm. on the tube or, you know, phones everywhere. There is no escape. So the question is here, how does that apply to someone who cannot retreat? Well, you describe it. That's the way we live, by the way. We never allowed our kids to have smart, even though the, the pressure came from peers in school, we said, no, no, we are going to, uh, and there are a number of parents that, that, that adopted the same technology. But what's amazing about what you say, James, is the big tech companies, my wife t tells me this, that the, the schools in California they actually didn't provide their kids with technology because they knew the people like Mark Zuckerberg, they know what damage. I mean, he's been presented with all the data in terms of the number of people that are, and therefore they actually look after their own. They don't have the technology at the beginning. So it's almost one rule for us and one rule for other people. You, but but no, it's dangerous. And, and you have to, it's all about education. And when the time is right, uh, you, 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 you get, but when you're younger and you haven't got, you're naive and you you've got to protect children because they can be damaged. But it's all about education and under, understanding our DNA and, and not being put under peer pressure to do what everyone else does, which, which is, is, is dangerous. So it's small acts of resistance here to start. As I say to you, I think the system's going to collapse. I, I'm genuine. I, I'm very optimistic because I think this is going to happen. It doesn't but, sound very optimistic. No, no, it's incredibly optimistic. But, but what I'm saying to you, small acts are not going to happen. What we need to do is a, because because of the fact that no one else is going to do it. So when you ha I believe genuinely there's going to be systemic failure, which is the opportunity. What I'm saying, let's talk about this. Let's engage in these discussions so that when it happens, we've actually discussed this in a public forum rather than, than waiting until it happens. And then everything is one, two, three, okay, money stopped functioning. We've got to get, uh, we've got to bail out all the banks. We've got to create a, I think by the way, the CBDC is that, that's what its purpose is. Why suddenly is everybody talking about it? Because they all know what I know is the system's going to collapse. And therefore their answer is the CBDC. That's why everyone's suddenly, all, all over the world, it has to be the reason. So there's a reason why suddenly everyone's talking about it because they're going to have to say, one minute, funny you should say that. I've got a, a problem. That I've got this ready to go. That's why it's all about because they know that this systemic collapse is, but it's not bleak. It's actually very exciting. Well, and I suppose those six families in Ireland will be very well placed if there is <laughs> systemic collapse because their kids will not be hooked and on on iPhones and, and be a kind of, kind of enslaved to them. So I just want to get a sense from, from both of you, actually, because I think you share something very interesting, which is that, Philip, you've worked in business, and you've, but you've also resisted the, what you consider to be the kind of perils and evils of, of that world. And of course, James, you are constantly having to engage with these technologies while also, as a kind of critical journalistic mind, deal with the potential implications of them. How do you, how do you confront and navigate that duality of being someone who understands this better than potentially anything else in your life and also trying to toe the line of of, of knowing where the guardrails need to be yeah it's it's really hard because it's 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 changing so quickly um and um i i do not have the answers basically it's it's it, this is just a, it's a constantly evolving thing and you it is easier to to put some of these sort of personal guardrails in place when you when you do have a, a really good understanding of it but but most people uh, don't and, and and I imagine that's 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 really the problem in that you know when I for example you know when I have um, uh, 
kids who are who are older and sons for them to start getting devices. I'll know every setting to to put in place and everything to deal with. Um, we don't understand that on a sort of society basis, and so we have to end up with these sorts of rather novel solutions. Do you see yourself as someone who has to bring that information to other people? Is that part of your job? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think absolutely. You want to be able to to uh, keep people abreast of, of, of a lot of these developments, and a lot of it is. There's, I mean, there's a lot of good work going on in 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 government and by regulators about dealing with this stuff as as well. There's there's a huge amount of um, stuff on the statute book that's going to sort of change how social media and some of these more addictive uh, technologies do run. Or at least that's that's the aim of it. So we need to sort of explain that. Philip, you have found in the world of business a way through to actually be someone who's thinking about the deep nature of what it means to um, be in a world that lives with capital, but also can exist outside of it um, in a kind of spiritual, soulful sense. Do you think there's hope? I, I sense that you're the optimist here. Is there hope for a future where we can feel the same way about technology? Of, of course there is, no question. We live in very exciting times. So as you say, I, I employed hundreds of thousands of people um, I, I tried to convert the business into a social purpose, could not because of when you're within, it's interesting, James, when you're working within the system, it's very, very hard because we all have constraints. We all have people that we have to answer to. And, and we're not genuinely free because it's complicated. I, I'm working with a number of politicians at high level and they are constrained, whether you like or not, that because they are part of the Labour Party, part of the Conservative Party, they are restricted in what they can say and what they can do. And therefore, they are not free. They're not able. It's, it, a lot of them are very idealistic. Like, they want to get it right, but they can't. So what I realised has to happen is you have to get somebody from outside the system. That's why so I've, all those interests have sold. I've sold my commercial interests. I'm now in a lot of very exciting technologies, fortunately, thank God. Uh, but they're all purpose-led. So we're, we're, we're running these organisations to look after people, to look after places. We're not driven by money. It's a completely different... And all the businesses that we're operating are completely... So suddenly I'm able to look at the world through this lens. So the answer is yes, we need people to step out from within and, and to start to address these issues and then to get people almost to jump on the bandwagon because it's not... It's very, very hard from within any organisation, as I learned for myself, I couldn't do it within, so I had to step out and then suddenly I'm freed and suddenly the last two or three years since I haven't had the burdens of, of being part of the system where I've got to worry about losing clients, I've got to worry about um, the contractual side, suddenly I'm, I'm free and able to speak and, and that's why what I love to do is to start to get people engaged in a discussion that actually starts to change the system but it has to happen from outside the, and in fact, all the 70% of small family businesses are in a perfect position because they, they've got clients that they have to be careful of. But finding them, there's, there's more autonomy there. And we have to start to get a conversation going about an exciting future. I feel, I feel compelled to say um, I am an optimist about, about uh, technology. I mean, if you look at, at, at COVID and the way that we would have dealt with that without the internet, we would have been in, in a lot more trouble um, than we were. Uh, absolutely, there are, there are huge benefits that, that, that AI and... Um, sort of instant access to information, all these things the internet offer. Um, the human brain is, 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 is sort of struggling to deal with some of the downsides, I think. And I think there's a sort of society-wide conversation needs to be happened about how we mitigate that, basically. Sort of double-edged sword at the moment, and we want to, to accentuate one, one edge of that. Navigating that is obviously going to be the challenge of the next 10, 20, maybe 50 or 100 years. But I suppose what this conversation has at least brought me some optimism about is that, yes, the human brain might struggle to navigate 
technology and the future of technology, but it doesn't seem to struggle with navigating the benefits of being a human. And if perhaps we can kind of bring conversations back to that when we're talking about technology like we have today, then then there is hope. Thank you.